Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with George Martin of Well-Balanced Designs. George is one of Vancouver's leading design-build experts with over 46 years of experience in construction, renovations, and design projects. He is familiar with all of Vancouver's building types and materials, from Yaletown condos to Westside single-family homes to Kilt Solano heritage homes and North Shore homes. Now for my conversation with George Martin. Hey, George, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you located? So George Martin's the name, Well-Balanced Designs. We're a design build company and we do a coaching program too. And we're in Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay, right on. So did you start the company? And if so, when when was that? I did. I started Well-Balanced Designs uh, approximately 11 years ago. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. And what were you doing before then? Kind of what prompted the, the change? Oh, I've been in construction now. This is my 50, 54th year in construction. Nice. So I've uh, done many things, d- different types of work, but mostly renovation, large-scale renovations in custom homes. We wanted to rebrand the company, so we come up with the name Well-Balanced Designs, and that's where it came from, and it's worked very well. Clients get the name, and it's been good for branding. Gotcha. And when you say rebranded, what was that 11 years ago, or when you started the company? Well, or That was 11 years ago. Previously, okay. we were called Spaces construction ah. homes and didn't work quite well. So we rebranded and kicked it off and it, it started to take off right away. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And so t- talk to me about before that. So you said you've been doing this a long time. How did you first get into construction? That's my mother's fault, actually. <laughs> and I, I, as a young fellow, I wanted to be a mechanic, mm. like all young guys and with cars, but she had a better idea. So she got me an apprenticeship for a cabinet maker in Aberdeen in Scotland. And so that, back in those days, that was 16 years old when you were out of school and started. So I did my apprenticeship as a cabinet maker from Jane Ogilvie, still remember that well. And it's just went on from there. You know, I moved through different types of construction, did a lot of tenant improvements, store fixturing. All sorts of stuff. No heavy construction. That's about the only thing I've never done is heavy. Hmm. But everything else I've been doing most of my career. Yeah. Yeah. And so when did you end up in Vancouver? I was, first time I came here, I was 24 years old. I came to meet a sister that I'd never met. 
nobody ever told the family wow. secret. So I came to meet her, and that was very cool. And I just fell in love with the place. So by the time I was 28, I was back living in Vancouver. I got my immigration papers and moved here and, and never looked back. Yeah. And she and I are like two peas in a pod. So it's pretty cool. That yeah. is cool. Wow. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Sometimes you have an opportunity to, yeah, like in this, go go meet a long lost sister and then it changes the whole trajectory of everything. So I have to tell you, though, I had no idea the size of this country when I came here. <laughs> well, I came from a country where you cannot get further than 54 miles from the ocean. And, and I got to Toronto, Canada, and I had wanted to take the train the Canadian Pacific Railroad, right? So I got there Monday night and I got a ticket. I said, okay, when do we get to Vancouver? And he says, oh, Friday lunchtime. And I went, okay, this is Monday. You mean Friday? <laughs> so that I had, that's when I figured out how big it was. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. No, that's pretty funny. Well, take, take me back to, you know, 11 years ago, you rebrand. What was that first year like with Well-Balanced Design? The first year, so we were really setting it up for what it became. And it was laying the groundwork, both in systems and in personnel, that we could bring it up and handle the volume that we actually reached. And I think it was in year seven, we actually we were shooting for $3 million in sales. Mm-hmm. And we got that in year seven. And took it up to, I think the most we did in one year was 3.6 million. So th- that was the initial start, putting all the systems into place, which is always an issue in our industry. So uh, we were do- design build. Most of our work was design build. Subcontract designers, we never had in house designers. We would use various designers to do the work. And that was, that went quite well. And we got once we got the systems into place, then we were able to offer a fixed price. So we would do a fixed price with a on a design build project, initial preliminary design, preliminary budgeting. When we were successful with the client, then we would do the complete design and provide a fixed price for doing the work. And people just loved it. And we were, it worked for us and it worked for them. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. As you think about your business career, what do you think has been the most surprising to you about running your own business? The time it takes Mm. or the time it took the building process took quite a while to get all the systems into place and the personnel. Once I got that, it, it's funny when it touched started when it touched the three million, it seemed to get easy then, hmm. and I think it was because we had the systems and the personnel in place, so we we knew what we were doing. We, we always knew how to build stuff. We just didn't know how to run a company. Hmm. So running the company is was the harder part. Building yeah. it's, it's second nature to me to build, like most renovators and builders. Mm-hmm. But running the business and running a successful company was the the more challenging one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you said that you kind of started out building the systems and processes and gearing up for aiming at three million. I guess what what prompted you to start there? 
because most people, I feel like it's kind of like what you described. You kind of build and then you realize, oh, now I have a few too many projects and I got to hire somebody and you kind of just, you know, kind of stumble into the next problem, the next problem. You keep solving, you do, you grow and you work through them, but it sounds like you really worked at the beginning to lay out systems and processes. What what took you down that path first? Uh-huh. It was it was actually my plumber's suggestion, funnily mm. enough. And uh, we were out one day. We we're playing a game of golf, actually. And we got talking about business and uh, how things were going and stuff. And he started talking about the e-myth, mm-hmm. right? Michael Gerber's book. And I went, okay, I never heard of that. So he said, you should read it. He said, you will get a lot out of it. And so... I went home, bought it, right? Just inhaled it. I didn't actually read it. I just inhaled it. And that was really the start that I knew I had to do all these things to put the pieces into place to have a successful company and, and develop that repetition. You know, I'd be able to just do the a different job the same way every time. Mm-hmm. And, and that was when I got there. It's and and saw what he was talking about. That made all, that really was a big change. That book, yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's a fantastic book. So you mentioned when you when you touched three million, things started to get a little bit easier, and you credit it to the systems and processes. But I'm wondering if you can point to a couple of things within the business that that you think because of X, it felt easier to me. Yeah, one of those would be estimating, mm. and I think all builders and renovators struggle with estimating. You know, those different systems to do it, different ways to do it, whatever. And I remember somebody suggested a book called "Defensive Estimating." Mm. Michael Jordan is it Michael Jordan wrote the book. I think it was, and so I, I read this book, and it was very good. And he explained how to defend your estimate. You had to defend your estimate all the way through the project. And so I understood that. But what he also explained was that contractors are typically lousy estimators, but we're very good schedulers, right? Mm. We have this uncanny ability to schedule a project. And, And I had that. And he said, you know, if you just make your estimate fit the schedule, then things will start to work. So So I wrote out an an estimate or a schedule, not following the 16 divisions of construction, which was always jumps back and forth. And I just made it out in sequential order and then estimated to the sequential order. And that was a real turning point when I did that because Mm -hmm. everything started to fit into place. I could see the logical sequence of the project. And that allowed, then the costs fitted into that. And and that was a huge part, without a doubt, huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review. It definitely makes my day to hear from you individually and it helps us spread the word. All right, now back to the show. Were there any key positions or hires that you made along that 11 years that were pretty pivotal as well? Yeah, probably my right-hand man would have been. 
Yeah. Roger Crombie was his name. Pretty close in age. He had a varied construction background as well. Mm-hmm. But he loved to work in the office. He, he was a numbers guy and systems. He liked the systems as well. So the two of us working together was a huge part of how my company grew. And did we get on okay all the time? Sometimes not. But most of the time, we got along pretty good. And he wasn't a Scot, but his background was Scot, so that worked out okay. And then I had a couple of really good lead hands, hmm. lead hand supervisors. They, they were very good, and, and they were a huge part of it as well. I was able to give them a good setup of the project, and they were able to run with the project quite well with you know, we, we never let go of the reins, but we could loosen them off a bit and they would handle the project very well and the clients. Yeah. So it yeah. went very well. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I found over the years, you you don't, it's not required to have kind of two people that are pretty near the top in leadership, but I feel like it sure makes it easier, especially when you think about the division of like, Revenue being marketing and sales and getting work, and then operations delivering on the work. Like, if you can split those into two roles and have people really own those, it feels like things go a lot smoother. So, <laughs> it, it really, it, you're right. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you kind of shared, you know, just thinking about the entrepreneurial journey, you know, what, uh, what kind of surprised you. But I guess, what are, I don't know, what's maybe one of the hardest parts you think about? running a business, being an entrepreneur, that journey? Ah, one of the hardest parts, probably client expectations. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's really, it's because each client, like everybody is different, but clients are extremely different one to the other. And you can get one that you, there's a connection between you and the, the project goes easily. Conversely, then you'll get the next one, which you know is sometimes is an issue. A very wise old renovator told me one day, when you're interviewing the client, if you cannot see yourself sitting in a boat all day fishing with that person, <laughs> you should probably not work with them. So good one. I, yeah. that was a very good piece. Other times, you know, I had one client for 35 years Hmm. and we did multiple projects together and uh, it it just was and still is a great relationship. He was one of the head construction lawyers in Vancouver Mm -hmm. and we just hit it off and uh, I was able to give him the product that he wanted at the right price. And uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, but Seven million dollars in projects over the thirty-five years we were able to do it together and all successfully and worked well. So yeah. you never know what a client's going to be like when you meet them, but sometimes that connection just works. Yeah. We work well. We have had quite a few single women as clients, and we worked very well with them. That they liked our honesty. We're very straightforward and say, look, this is what's happening. We need to talk about this. 
and were were very honest and straightforward like that, and and they really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. On some large projects too. Yeah, that's cool. In thinking about where you are in Vancouver and everything, what do you think makes you unique? Kind of, how do you position and and market yourself? Uh, clients always tell me that they like working with us because we listen. Mm. We actually listen to what they say and and act on it. We don't just give them lip service and then go and do our own thing. And and they really appreciate that. When when we say a schedule is we're, we're going to be finished in eleven months, we'll be finished in eleven months. And and you'll be moving in in eleven months. It's not going to have that project creep where you're going to be in a year and a half later, right? And in the market that we have, it's it's a it's a very busy market. Market high end value homes typically. You can't have somebody out their house and not get in because wherever they're staying in the meantime, they have to get out of there and move it back in their house. So you can't mess with them like that. So th- that would probably our level of quality. That comes from my cabinet making background. I've, I've got a great attention to detail. So I can I work well with the designers and anticipating what they want and and how the detailing will work on the job. So I'm pretty, you know, I'm not hands-on in every part of the job, but I keep an eye on everyone just to make sure it's going okay so we don't miss anything. Yeah, 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 that's cool. In construction, there's always like wacky projects, crazy client stories, something off the wall. Anything coming to mind that you can share and you can obviously leave out personal details and that sort of thing. Wacky projects. I have to think about what would be a wacky project for us. Yeah, we we got this call to go to Whistler, BC, which is an expensive area from that same construction lawyer. He said, you need to go and look at this project. And I went, okay. So I went up to the project and huge house, $16 million house. Right. had been built right before the Olympics in mm. BC. And they called them Olympic specials because they were just built too quick. Right. And this guy had had nothing but trouble with his house since he, he bought it. Everything went wrong with it. And it was a beautifully designed, looked like it was well built, but it was like everything was wrong. There was eight chimneys on this house, eight eight chimneys, 10 fireplaces. And when we got there, we could push our finger through the studs in the chimneys. It was just, it it was, talk about leaky condo, right? It was just one. But this thing, and it had been developing legs as time went on, but we got the the contract to repair this house. So two years later, and $3 million, this house was repaired. And, and it was just, it was, I have never seen so many things wrong with the house. And, and you know, he, he, had, he had done everything right. He was a nice guy, great guy, and he did everything right. But it was, it was an interesting one because the structure of the house was built well, but it was all the finishing that was done wrong. And the three-inch granite on the whole house, 5,000 square feet, was not attached properly. They missed half the ties. So we had to take all the granite off, 
putting new ties, put it all back on again. So oh, it, it was, and through two windows, right? So you get typically eight feet of snow in Whistler. So we had to shrink wrap the scaffold, shrink wrap the whole house so we could keep working. And that is probably about the wackiest yeah. thing. You know, I felt very sorry for the owner, but yeah, for sure. we, got, we got his house done and put back together. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, yeah, should never have happened. Never, yeah. have, but it did. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you see stuff like that all too often. Maybe not to that scale, but just yeah, the mm-hmm. it wasn't done right the first time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious what uh, what's the company look like today, and what's the vision for the next few years? Yeah. So I'm I'm getting a little long in the tooth, not too long in the tooth, but I'm getting them. So a couple of years ago, I realized that I didn't particularly want to keep doing a design build construction for that much longer. And I wanted a way to hand over the knowledge that I had gained over these last 50 odd years. So I put together a company. It's called the Builders Blueprint. And I'm actually teaching people to be a general contractor. Hmm. So I've set up a full program, uh, 12 months, twice a month we meet. And I take them right through, I don't teach them how to build a house, but I take them right through the process that I developed to make my company successful. So I just walk them through it and give them all the tools that they need. And it, it's, it's going well. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying doing it. We have we've got five clients already. And just, I get, I thoroughly enjoy being able to pass on this knowledge. So that's, I'm still doing some construction, not as much. I can't say I'm as enthusiastic as I used to be, but I pick my clients a bit more, a bit more selective Mm -hmm. uh, and doing the builder's blueprint at the same time. It's It's a good way for me to continue with the rest of my working life. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so mm-hmm. do you have plans to, are you phasing out the well-balanced designs or are you transitioning the company to somebody else or what are you thinking there? Yeah, I, I have somebody that's interested in, in cool. taking over. Yes. He approached me a couple of years ago and we couldn't agree on a number. And he's actually came back now and we're talking again. And, and he looks like I'll be able to transition it into him. He, funnily enough, has the same last name, just a coincidence, hmm. but a bit younger. He's 54 years old, so he's at the perfect time to take it over. He's been a renovator for seven years, and, and he's ready to take his company to the next level. So we're going to set something up in the meantime so we can work together at the moment and then be able to pass future projects onto him. So it's it's a pretty exciting time in my life, actually. It's yeah, it's it's I'm feeling pretty good about the next few years. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Two two big transitions, phasing out and starting a new journey. So that's that's it, awesome. It is, you know, it's it's very different to actually teach somebody compared to uh, compared to teaching a carpenter how to do something, mm-hmm. but to teaching a potential equal to how you do this properly. So you'll get the results that I got. It's it's. I have to put my thinking cap on when I go. I have yeah. to be one, right? It's an intense two-hour Zoom call when we do it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. 
George, wrap us up here. There's a lot of other remodeling companies out there listening. If you could pass on final words of wisdom or one piece of advice, what would that be? Treat your clients with respect. If you treat them with respect, they'll do the same thing back to you. You know, don't try and make your fortune on one project. Treat them fairly, price honestly, and that will come back to you in spades if you do that. You, the, the world, it's a very small, you know, there might be a lot of people in your neighborhood, but it's a very, very small market that we have to work with that wants our services. And uh, yeah, no doubt about it. That's why I ended up with a 35-year client. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so th- that's be the, the biggest part. Just do what you say you're going to do, what you've told them you'll do, and do it. Yeah, great yeah. advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I like it. Well, uh, George, thanks so much for carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.